Hello and welcome back to another episode of Unfiltered. I am Yanina Doyle. I'm Jonathan Kleeman. And uh, today is our second filler episode. Well, kind of third, but we haven't released one. Are you ever going to release the one I might. I've got to go back and edit it and have a look. So just... It may be second, maybe third. You'll, you'll find out in the naming oh, of it. Oh, no, for goodness sake. Well, that episode that he will never release, it seems, is on Hungary and some Tokai wines. No, we'll get released. I've just got to go back and well, if anyone's right. desperate and wants to learn about Hungary, can you please let us know? Actually, talking of communication, we need your help. We need you to tell us what you think and what you want us to talk about. So if you are Instagram friendly, you can find us at, at uh, Unfiltered Pcast. Um, you can also contact me on Twitter at Eat Sleep underscore Wine. And what are you, John? Uh, I'm JK.som. In both. On both, oh, no, really, actually. Twitter, I'm Johnny Cleman. Okay. So oh, Johnny with a Y. We've been Jonathan Cleaning to Google on the only person who's. We should write up. this down on our on our show notes. We yeah, should. We, should put, yeah. we, we will write these on our show notes. That's how organised we are becoming. So, what are we talking about today, John? I was talking about Bordeaux and the new classifications. It's been big news. This has been the French have been changing something. Well, do you know, it's funny, isn't it, that recently I've just seen Bordeaux in the news for so many different things, so it's actually really nice that we're going to actually cover it, and none of our guests so far, this is why we're doing it without guests, uh, have actually brought a Bordeaux wine on, or we've had any reason to talk about Bordeaux, so this is great. So um, I'm going to pour this wine just so we can drink a little bit yeah. of it. But Always John, important to drink a little bit. Exactly, otherwise, you know, we'll get bored of ourselves. Um, John, do you want to start breaking this down? Bordeaux, where is it? So this, thinking of Bordeaux and new and new classifications and the changes that are happening, this is actually the Pomme and Roll. Um, so this is a wine being produced by Chateau Girabald. I want to say, hopefully I've got that correct. Yeah, we apologise in for advance for... Terrible any, pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you want to take the bottle and then you can... Oh, yeah, there's so, not, um, not much on it. There is no, you don't get much information in the bottle. It's a modern style Pomerol. From what I got told, all of their neighbours hate them for doing this. They do do a classic Pomerol. And then they do, um, you know, sort of second wine. But this is not, not so much a third wine, it's just a different wine. Um, it's normally a blend of either Merlot, Cab Franc and Melbec. This is the 2015 vintage, which is actually uh, 50% Merlot, 50% Melbec, I, making it very unusual for the region. I'm super excited you got 2015. For anyone who is into their vintages, they will know that 2015 is a very good vintage. Very forward vintage as well. Cheers. Cheers. Let's uh, have a little sip, see, see if you brought a good one along. Um, another interesting one for this family, um, actually like a lot of Bordeaux that I've announced so much of, is actually organic and now this one actually 15 they are certified biodynamic as well uh, which have been working quite hard towards uh, which is it's good to see that there's more and there's a lot more Bordeaux producers moving to organic viticulture now as well which I think especially in such an overworked area for wine it's probably pretty important for the soil. Now interesting we're drinking Pomerol and I'm just going to mention Santa Million as well which are both on the right bank as from what I've heard as well Santa Million now have really pushed every everybody has in Santa Million has to be Farming in a completely 100% sustainable way. Yes, yeah. They've created there is, new there is, there is, there obviously, I think, I think they're, they're looking at, again, I think it's because it's such a massively farmed area all mm. over Bordeaux, they're looking at the implications on the soil. And what it's showing is organically farmed areas, the soil does stay, it's a lot more stable and it's also stable for neighbours and for everyone else. And I think even that stabilisation, especially with the changing climate. Um, which is obviously where we're going to come to with which our Which we're going to come news. to in a minute. Yeah. The other difference about this wine as well, though. Their other wines from their estate are very classic Pomerol in style. Mm. The Pom and Roll is not, since it doesn't have Pomerol in the bottle, as well as the different grape varieties. They're actually producing, you can almost say, in a more Californian American style way. So it's designed to drink younger, juicier, riper style, um, a little less on the oak, 12 to 18 months on oak. 
Um, it's definitely softer. The tannins are yeah, softer. It's, made, it's, it still, is it's still aged a long time. It's still aged over 10 years. But, but it's a major drink. But it's nice because actually it's all about the fruit on the palate, but actually it's quite savoury still um, on the finish. Um, Which one of those wines is anyone we talk a lot of? When we talk about new world wines, like we always talk about. Oh and places with iron areas um, and so for that reason um, the best always comes from the plateau and so I find that it you do get a lot of different variety but they're more approachable um, and I've always I I can't wait I cannot wait 15 years 20 years for my wine stage so I mean for my side again I'm not saying I'd say life for right is better my favorite region is Margot, and that's because I think they're the most elegant perfumes. Um, I think that if you're talking about a region that has a style that I think stands out the most, mm -hmm. I think it's Margot. Okay. Um, I actually think Pouillac is overrated, which will annoy a lot of people, but I think a lot mm -hmm. of Pouillac wines tend to be too earthy to this, and by the time they get old enough that they actually are good enough, some part of them fall apart. Funny apart. you say that, because again, I've always quite liked Pouillac. I like the kind of spicy tobacco, smoky kind of nature that When it they're has. great, when they're great, they're fantastic. Yeah. But I feel their consistency is all over the place. But and interesting. I think the St. Julian and Margot on the left bank are far better. And then followed by Passac, Lugon and Saint-Estef. And Pouillac would be my Ooh, last look at you choice. with all that. Okay, so for all these names, if anyone doesn't know, uh, that we've just mentioned, they are on the left bank. Uh, Order-wise, what have we got on the chart? Saint-Estef? Saint-Estef. Well, you've got Hurt Murdoch, technically. Oh, okay. Saint-Estef. Yeah. Um, then you've got um, Pouillac, then you've got uh, Saint-Julien, Saint Margot, then passac Lugon is a bit of a gap break where the actual city, uh, town of Bordeaux is, mm -hmm. and then you have passac Lugon right down the south. There is a couple of little regions in there, uh, like Mouillon, but they've been completely destroyed lately. And Listra. Listra and Mouillon, which oh. are the two that every time there's frost get destroyed. So they've had like <laughs> two, three years in the last five or six where they've been absolutely destroyed so they're yeah. going to see less and less of them at the moment. but actually funny enough you talk we talk about vintages um the 60s the 70s it was just rubbish 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 most of the time and then now in the last kind 1970 of 1970 was pretty funny no but wrong. they i'm saying consistently there were lots of very very bad vintages mm -hmm. and we're talking about climate change if you look now especially in 2000s and even in the 1990s the vintages have got so much better the winemaking has completely changed though. there's been a lot more investment though as oh yeah but well. it's also people are knowledge, finally knowledge. Yeah. So I think obviously well there's a, there's a shift towards all of that isn't there climate change up until, investment, up until the 60s 70s Bordeaux were like the most forward thinking wine growing region in the world and then they fell behind really quickly mm -hmm. um, and now they do like well, if you go up to Chateau Bay Cheville or you go to Margot I've been mean, quite a few of them I've been to nearly all of them now will talk about sin like um, small site selections they basically every year we do these big um, maps of the site normally using a helicopter and using heat and see which areas of the grapes you can predict are going to ripen quicker yep. and better then it's just section down the entire vineyard and they pick these sections well they're doing it times. separately as well aren't they yeah. it's all that kind so of parcels aging everything much, separately yeah and much like in Champagne um, they're then vinifying all these little plots separately and then eventually blending them all together so the blending is actually a far bigger process so they're actually blending in um, hundreds of little plots of wine to get this final product so they have more control over it like Margot told them they go, the amount of Cabernet Sauvignon you're going to get into their wine has massively increased mm -hmm. because they can make sure the Cabernet Sauvignon is completely ripening because they only pick the bit that's ripe then let the other bit take longer then they only put the ripest stuff into the wine and that's also why we've seen the growth of second wines and now third wines where they go okay so this wine isn't good enough to make say Chateau Margot so then it goes into Pavlon Rouge which is the second wine then you, if that's not good enough for Pavlon Rouge it goes into Margot de Margot and then if it's not good enough for that they by law sell it off just as, as bulk, Margot as bulk really don't they just bulk oh, Margot you don't, yeah, yeah. and it's a set price doesn't matter whether you're Chateau mm -hmm. Margot or this 
So if you're smart enough and you're out there, you can buy a load of Margot grapes for quite cheap. Um, so it, it's, it's a very interesting, and it's happened the same with the right bank. Um, I do think the right bank, I agree with you, I think they're more generous. Yeah. I think in some years, you, I think that, especially Centimillion of all of them, probably has the best consistency. Do you think? Arguably, yeah. And actually, if you go it's larger though as well, isn't it? You know, Pomerol is such a small little region. And I, I think, think also, it's... I always think if you're talking about top top wines, if you're only talking about the big dogs and fighting out from what I've tried in my life, and I've been very lucky to try a lot of the top, mm. actually all of the top. <laughs> um, uh, I would say my first wine is Chateau Margot '82, best, still probably the best wine. Look at you naming vintages as well. I, 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 can remember. Such a I, I can tell you the memory when I first got to drink that is amazing. And my second one after that is actually Cheval Blanc '89. '89 okay. Cheval Blanc is stunning wine. I've got to try two separate bottles, two different cellars, equally stunning. So it's, and um, actually, funny enough, and I don't know the exact soil type of the of the top of my head, but Cheval Blanc is actually very much on the Pomerol, uh, basically on the outskirts, isn't it? Right next also to. Also, it's, it's the only Cabernet Franc dominated mm-hmm. top wine in the whole of Bordeaux. Um, and I believe, anyway, that those soils are really iron based or something, and actually quite sandy or something, which generally. Yep. I, am, I, am I right? It, it, I can't remember the exact sort of specificity. But I'm I know, so when we were talking about soils being very varied. It is very unique across that border. It, no one else really has. Actually, as well, for anybody, I love, you know, it's nice to have little kind of wine geeky moments, and it is very cool, the blue clay that there is in Pomerol. Uh, so Petrus is the only uh, winery with vineyards 100% on blue clay. I did do some research on that. So you will actually get so many vineyards going, oh, but we're only stones far away from Pom- from um, Petrus, but you're not Petrus, or you're not well, on the same Well, actually, do you know, I was reading an article recently about that. And By the way, Petrus isn't even in my top five. Ooh, controversial. Not that, it's, it's like, it's what I'd call it, how do I put it? It's, it's slightly soulless. It's a technically brilliant wine. I've again tried it quite a few I times. I think a lot of people they can will go for argue it. Cool, they can you. fight me. Um, I'll just put my stand Are up you somewhere not listening to me about my blue soils? No, no I think I think if you when you drink it, the you, most it unique t- soils in the world. Oh, that's, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> British Columbia is a semi-arid. Uh, oh, well, anyway, no one has, so, but yeah, nobody has stupid. these soils. Unique soils, shall go, we say. Go to Italy, I'm sure you'll find every stone for a way, you'll find a unique soil. Well, actually, in a bit, interesting enough, I, I was reading an article and uh, of somebody quite um, educated in Bordeaux, and they certainly said, you know, we do use that. Ah, this vineyard is right next to the top, top, you know, crew, so it's got to be amazing. But because the soils really are literally so different, a stone's throw away, literally 100 metres away, that realistically we shouldn't necessarily be making our Bordeaux choices based on, oh, exactly. they're, right, they're right next to the best um, chateau. And it's very interesting when you see the difference in style of how you're doing your wines. There's a bad habit with Bordeaux of people going, oh, we're right next to this famous vineyard. When yeah. we go to Burgundy, we're like, oh no, we've got our own little soil, it's different to their soil. And our soil yeah, they're Bordeaux and Burgundy, their, no, mindset, their mindset, the system, come on, let's talk about classifications, that's something that, you know, you could always talk about. I mean... Well, they're both equally bullshit. <laughs> they're in every single classification that Bordeaux has done, there are, I don't know how many, hundreds of French people fighting to well, cancel no, that's, that's it only, and change that's only, it, right? That's only on the right, actually, weird thing is actually... No, because we've got Santa Million as well now, the no, classification. No, but that's on the right bank, yeah. So oh, sorry, okay. Santa Million are the only one who ever have updated their classifications. Yes. And mm, not necessarily if we're going to talk about Cru Bourgeois, then, uh, which is the kind of catch-on oh, that's mean, just... Well, that's another, that's another complete well, mess as well. well. That's what, exactly. So let's talk about the mess of Bordeaux let's and classification systems. Let's talk about the French mess of trying to make laws. So what happens in France is... What happens, especially in Bordeaux, but we've seen in other areas as well, is people don't like it when they want to change anything because it could affect them negatively or this. So, <laughs> sentiment is a really good example. There was five different classifications up until the most recent one that were all being contested legally at some point. And basically what sentiment said they were going to do was every few years, 
go back to the wines, look at the pricing, look at the quality, and then redistribute who is a Grand Cru Class A, mm. a Grand Cru mm. Class A, B, or Grand Cru Class A. Um, a lot of people started criticising, saying too many wines are becoming Grand Cru Class A. They didn't mean anything anymore as well. So that's another reason I think they started looking Well, at you're talking about that. There's even more arguments, but which I think actually, d- I personally don't think makes sense. Depending on which category you're sub- you're submitting into to try and either be in the Grand Cru Class A or the Premier Class A. Well, yeah. no, I think you do submit. But regardless of how it works, once the wine is basically trying to be, say, the Premier mm. Cru Class Cru A, B, yeah. or if you're trying to get to be A, which would why I assume that you do actually submit um, this is what I was reading that they have different criteria. so for instance we, if you're in, in if you're trying to get into class AB they then say okay your wine alone is worth say I'm making these figures up 50% but actually then the chateau and then the um, the soils are worth this percentage and this and whatever and it's different for depending on which well it which, would change depending on which one you're in but the other issue is well, no, that, was, that wasn't even the main issue. The main issue they had was who was on the judging panels. Oh, well, now this is because why you're constantly people, arguing people are not people judging, independent. Yeah, they had people on the judging this panels the who, who owned vineyards mm. in Santa Million. But then the other counter argument is well, if you don't own and grow wine in Santa Million, how would you be able to judge the wines from Santa Million? So the entire thing was a mess. Um, I think it was five or six different classifications. And eventually, a judge came in and went, right, that's it. This will stop. So we go back to square one. And then we did a new classification again yeah. anyway. And the problem is then it all becomes political. Yeah. Um, so again, it means you can't really trust the classification. But then you've got the opposite end where you go to the left bank, Bordeaux, which is, well, they did one classification back in 1855. And t- tough luck. Apart and then they from did, And then they did one, one reclassification yes, we know. in... Oh, God, when was it? 61? No, no I'm going to go with 1973. I'm sure it is 1973. Yeah, 1973, yeah, 1973 Mouton Rothschild and, pushed it. And, and Mouton Rothschild, that's only because Mouton Rothschild lobbied like hell because they felt that they deserved to be a Cru Class A, um, sorry, a first, first growth. Yeah. Which they don't. Um... <laughs> Again, controversial. Mouton never. Well, I mean, it's not controversial. Well, they make it's just nice, fact. Look, they make nice labels. They have some They've of the best labels, labels in the world. Absolutely. And if they put, as much, they put as much effort into their wine as they did Ooh, the labels, gosh. they'd have a good wine. I love your opinions. Um, but anyway, so just to finish off with uh, the, the classification, for anyone who's interested in Saint-Emilion now, they do have like a four-level uh, ranking system, and it gets reviewed every 10 years. And the last one was done in 2012, I believe. So... Do we know the, hang on, premier, the premier crew class A A's? There's four now, isn't there? There's five. The, oh, I thought there was four. So, um, uh, Osson. Osson, Angelus. Angelus and Pavi. Pavi. I oh, no, that was four, my, four, Yes, I'm right, you're wrong again. Why do I think that was a fifth? Well, there wasn't. There was one, that, I know there was one that moved. I well, I think the la- I think two have just moved up in the last classification. That's Pavi and uh, that was a, longer than that, longer no? than 2012. But yeah, oh, well, yeah I could be wrong. I belong to the study Bordeaux, so I need to brush up. To be honest, so. And then you had the Cru Bourgeois, which was a nightmare. That in so in the 1930s ish, uh, the beginning of the 1930s, they created Cru Bourgeois, and there was like three levels. There was the. By the way, depending on who you ask in Bordeaux, how this happened is all very different as well as I've had different stories told oh, yeah. people different people. Yeah, but carry so, on. No, how did ha- so what's the story? I, no, I'm saying I, I could even tell you all the different stories, but I've had everyone say, no, no, that's not true. This is what happened. And it's like... Ugh. Anyway, so they created the system and the idea was, okay, you weren't in the 1855 classification system, so if everyone, you know, you can be in this and there are... You have to be a good enough... Um, Chateau, and there are three levels here. I think they were called Superiore. There was definitely Exceptionales at the top. No, no, originally it was just Cru Bourgeois. So, so, so there's five originally in a Cru Bourgeois. See, everyone, see how confusing. Let's see. Let's was, work I think there's five originally in a Cru Bourgeois. I'm going to remember this one I used to serve, it was still labelled on there up until a certain point. Mm-hmm. Then other people kicked off because they didn't get in. 
Then the five kicked off because they let other people in. So the original five originally the crew bourgeois all left. And are no longer part of it. And then they did the new system, which was with crew bourgeois superior and then exponential. Well, but the five original ones still aren't in it because well, they, they were like, no, we're not having to do with this. Well, all I know is in the 1930s they created it. Then they amended it in the 1950s at some this point. This is where it all kicked off. So that's probably where it all changed again. And then I know that basically by 2003, because that one was a big one, where every, they just went, oh, just basically, you're all a bunch of babies. I'm, par- I'm obviously paraphrasing here. We're not doing this anymore. It's all cancelled. Everyone go to bed. So that's what happened in 2003. But then... They brought it back. They that's brought the, it back, I think, for 2010. But no, there's now... There is literally... You, every year you submit your wine. It's only based on your wine. Um, and you get Cru Bourgeois if that wine deserves it. So actually now, every year, if you see a wine that says Cru Bourgeois, it has gone through some criteria to make it a little I'm, bit... I mean, I'm not against... You know, I, better I think, no, but think, for people think, who having, don't know... No, of course. I think judging Cru Bourgeois now... I'm sorry, but I would, you know, the French seem to want to make a big mess of all of it all the time. It's just kind of crazy. Absolutely, absolutely. I and mean, ironically, we all think of the French, you know, France as a country with no rules, as I've learned more and more from going there. Oh, they've got a lot of rules. And they really like <laughs> laws and fighting them. And we remember when Champagne expanded as well, the oh. controversy that was just insane. Well, yeah. I always think, you know, whereas the new world is going, you know, getting bigger and brighter and more exciting and going against the grain and doing whatever. It's, it's not that because it's going more and more like, they want to be more and more like that. If you go to New Zealand now, you go to central Otago, and now they're getting Bannockburn, Cornish Point, this, and all these areas getting more of their own criteria. Well, actually, they're diving, they're going to go, they're going to go know what? the other way. What, you, you are completely right, and what I was going to say is, <gasps> it, though, I'm glad that's recorded. You said I'm completely right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna oh, oh, you, you, you you're I'm gonna, happy. I'm gonna make that my ringtone now. Oh, oh my god! That's. I don't know if your girlfriend's gonna be very happy with my voice yeah, saying you were perfect. right. No, you she, were she'll right. be fine with it. She'll be fine. Um, what I was gonna say. She's is, never said it. So. <laughs> <laughs> you need somebody to say it. Oh, bless you. Take it. Take it. That's for you. I'll That's a that gift. One, yeah. A free gift. What I was gonna say. The new world though has always had that more freedom and also just labelling and making things easier. But. France, I think now, slowly, I don't know about you, I think they are starting to make a lot more changes and they're adapting. But just like the New World is trying to be more burgundy. You know, like if you... If you think, <laughs> everyone's trying to be more burgundy. Try- which is no, everyone's trying to be more everything else. I think the point is that the, the, the old world started it all and they're fabulous, some of these top regions, for a reason. Oh, yeah. And then obviously the New World is selling loads because they're doing things so much... Uh, in a so it's such a, an easier way, so the old world is starting to pay attention, and but I that, think that's making gone back changes. And forth. I mean, if you look and at Long Long was all was all Australian winemakers who came over and basically saved Long Long when it was all going down the path, mm-hmm. um, and really updated the winemaking. And I think that what's great about the wine community now is it is very online, and you do see winemakers talking more and more, crossing borders. But then there are definitely some areas, and not always old world. Some new world areas are very snobby. Or think they're better. Would you like to name a snobby? Do you want to? Do you want to pull someone out on this? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm saying in a generalised idea, yeah. not winemakers specifically. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of winemakers. You know, there's always conflicting idea is wine winemaking art or science. Yeah. I think we've all met winemakers who believe what they do is the best way, and well, everyone else is wrong. To, and I, and of, I think I think you have to believe in yourself, exactly. don't you? But then you see some others who are much more the opposite way going, hey, look, I experiment, I play, I try, and yeah. they're a lot more, they're the ones who are communicating a bit more. And I think, like in any industry, you're going to get a mix of those. You're going to get chefs who think they are the best chef, or how they cook, or their kind of cuisine is the best, everything else is nowhere near as good, or never going to be as good. And they always have to think that way to perform the way they do in the kitchen. That's, why you, that's the way you think, isn't it? Performing at anything, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
just dancing when I'm drunk. That's the only time I'm convinced of anything I'm the best. That's cute. Yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, one day, everyone, I'll get a video recording of that and I shall put it up please, for you on social media. <laughs> I really hope I can. Um, can we go back to this wine just quickly? Well, I, 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 as I said, I'm a real fan of Pomerol and actually Pomerol is so small that actually, as a general rule, ends up being so expensive just because we're talking there's there's not as many good... Um, um, I mean, if you, I think you can find you value find, there with Well, actually... Um, but I think there is, unfortunately... I always think it hurts it because it means less people get to experience it. And then no, you two sure. dips and no dives. No one's going to so taste La Pan and Petrus unless you are very, very... Um, or work for a very nice restaurant. That's the top tip yeah. I give you there. That's become a, if you, listen, if you like the idea of trying the most expensive wines, literally just go and work for a very go, good restaurant. Go work in Mayfair, basically. That's, that's yeah. my top tip. No, I no, did it for three years and it was my way of tasting all the best Oh stuff my God, absolutely. I mean, that's the only thing I miss about being a sommelier. On a Monday night, opening up, you know, John Rothschild, your favourite wine. And it's... it's and if, <laughs> Moving on. So I'm like, ah, I don't even try it. Um, I think people will be here like, how dare it's, you? Do you want know to annoy me the most about it? Is it's actually of all the top Bordeaux's, I've tasted more vintages of Mouton Rothschild than I have anything else. Really? Of, of the, the the first groves or the big ones. But for instance, Chevrolet I mean, Blanc, again, uh, if you look at Mouton Rothschild and Lafitte so Rothschild, the amount of cases that they make, their production, compared to, for instance, Le Pan. I think oh, Le yeah, Pan makes, and again, I could be wrong. The feet's quite small. The feet's quite small. Um, is massive. But a bit, I know I've read between the two of them, the Rothschilds, because they, something, I don't know, like 20, I think, honestly, like 25,000 cases or something, compared to Le Pan being something like 400 cases. I, but, it's, it's then, but then there comes the counter argument goes, is less necessarily better always? Well, we're, they're making a lot more now. One of the things I learned, I was actually at Chateau Margot. Yeah. And I said, when I, I kind of, I'd always been, always liked Bordeaux anyway, but I've been getting lured in by all, all the talk of how much better Burgundy is in the sense of it's tiny, single row, single this. And then you go somewhere like Chateau Margot, 90 hectares under vine, in 180 hectares of land, which they won't plant anything on the other bit because they want the woodland and the trees and all mm. those other elements to protect their plants. Then they go, okay, cool, so we've got all the best parts planted. Then of that 90 hectares, less than a third even gets considered for Chateau Margaux. So you tell me to go from 90 down to 30. Mm. And they're only getting 35 hectolitres production. Mm -hmm. So for what they could produce from their land, they could be producing hundreds of thousands of bottles more. What they're doing is they're finding only the best parcels every year to go into that wine. But then, uh, how, then yeah, of course. Otherwise, question, how would you be considered a first growth if you then, weren't doing that? But they weren't all doing that originally. Back, you go back into oh, the well, 70s going, and 60s, they were just throwing it all where, making But the wine. that's where we, we've already talked about how a production has got so much better But then there's a the counter-argument. Is someone making one barrel of um, Romani Conti or, if they say, uh, Vite Vivant... Someone making one barrel every year because that's all they've got to make with. Is that wine really going to be better than someone who's gone from 90 hectares down to tiny amount of hectares? The answer is no. To find the best quality. I'm going that, to, that, the answer is no. This is the counter, the counter thing to this idea. Just of, because you make very little doesn't mean it's better. And we, that's, that's, one, that's my counter to the, the idea of Le Pen I'm not saying they are. But, Actually, I like Le Pen but, but then it's like anything. If you buy some, the if you buy some of those ridiculous trainers that, I don't know, basketball, name, bullshit, name me a basketball bullshit. player. What's Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, those Jordan. Michael Jordan sneakers. People save a load of them, and then a few years later, they can sell them for ridiculous amounts because they're not there. Doesn't make those trainers any better than any other trainers? But seriously, the fact we that we talk about the most, fact that most of those stupid trainers look really awful, <laughs> and anyone who wears them looks like a retard. 
I'm Love that. So, I'm just, yeah. it just, it, some of them are cool. Yeah, cool, fine. So but you, I don't get the you, So now we've lost the listeners of the. Oh Michael no! All Jordan of our trainers. massive, massive Jordans fans that we probably were really attracting. <sighs> I'm sorry, everyone. Listen, you could, you know, just ignore him. I mean, you probably you do look a bit weird, but remember, you can <laughs> you can tweet you can tweet how annoying you are at me. I'm happy Please. to take it. Communicate, communicate. I'm, um, I'm actually shocked by the lack of abuse I've had since doing this podcast. I was assuming to get massive amounts of. Uh, no one is attacking you, please. No, I know. Somebody um, I even insult been vegan yet. John. I've, I've thought by now at least Antifa or someone would be angry at me. Well, like you say, keep but. on going. I'm sure someone will. Now tell. So we can get this wine, the Pom N Roll. Pom N Roll. Forty-five pounds. And which I, is compared to their their top pom. So their their second pop their wine would be forty pounds in yeah. store. I think we're out at the moment. And their top wine, also we're out at the moment, we sold loads of them actually, um, it's £70. So for price point of where it sits, it's just above a second wine. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot, you know, almost not far of half the price of the top. And I have, do you know what? First of all, you didn't mention that they do some ageing in Amphora. And I know this for two reasons. One, I did, act, well, you told me you were bringing it. I had a quick look online and it did mention it, but you didn't mention it. And I two, it says it on the back label. Oh, okay. So they're definitely mm-hmm. doing, so they are, you know, you said Again, that they're more modern. Stuff, yeah, and what's funny, the modern winemaking is often being super, super old traditional in the way that they I think, used to I do think it 7,000 years ago. It's exciting though to see someone experimenting. And they've got a lot of yeah. hate for this wine. They've been doing it for quite a while now. And they get a lot of hate from their neighbours because it's not Pomerol. It's not what it's supposed to be. And I now, think that, You've got to break tradition, or well, you're never going to find something new or exciting. Oh, I just, you know what? I, I, well, there's the garage, what do they call them? The garagistas, or however, you yeah, know, the people garage that. Wine's that garage wine's fantastic. Garage wine's And Pomerol stuff. was really, you know, uh, and, and Santa Million, but were always a major region for trying these bigger, bolder, different what styles. What about the most expensive wines? bottle of wine that's now being made in Bordeaux? We didn't talk about this. What's the most expensive oh, bottle of wine? I can't think the name of it. Oh, the... come on, I hate it when you do that. I even went you, to their tasting a while ago so, before that before this wine was released. Well, you Google now whilst I'm gonna tell our beautiful How listeners. How we I've got my phone out Googling. Well, the funny thing the one thing I love about this wine as well, it tastes delicious. Are we both agreed on this? Yeah, no yeah. delicious, no, I love this one. Well, this well, for any this, <laughs> this <laughs> for anybody who's interested is actually gonna be considered within the natural wine category. Everyone remember the natural wine doesn't actually have a certification system. There are just kind of we things in the there. Grapes, no, we're gonna talk about the oh, new wait, grapes in a second. But what I would say is I've just looked on the back. First of all, they've put on the, the label twenty seven milligrams of sulfur. So um, if you go to a raw wine event, um, that what they've decided, I think anything between, I think 70 is the cap, which I personally think is quite high. But basically anything under 70 milligrams per litre of sulphur is, what are you pulling that face? Okay, go, keep going. No, no, no. I've got to say in a minute. Go. Anyway, it's considered natural. These guys are organic. These guys are biodynamic. They're not using uh, new oak. They're doing some aging in amphora. Um, so... All of these techniques fit it into a natural wine and it tastes delicious. And ultimately, that's, for me, that is the way we should be making wine. If you can make natural wine that tastes delicious, then we're winning. Right. Uh, first of all, okay. sorry, sorry, I can't remember the name, it's Liber Peter. Liber Peter. Yeah. So they just released a new one. Now he's the gentleman who I tasted their wines a while ago where they're using the really old varietals mm-hmm. from Bordeaux. So these are the ancient varietals that are almost not being used at all. They replanted them, found some old ones and they replanted in Bordeaux. And their wines were like three, four thousand pound a bottle coming out, like really going against Petrus and other big names. And where is um, this from Pomerol? No, no, no. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly where heard, they are. Can you um, say the name of the Chateau? Liber Peter. Liber Peter. Yeah, this was a Loch Loch Petit is a new wine and it's thirty four thousand dollars. 
How Omelis. the hell is it so expensive? Ah, this is what we were yes. talking about. This is what he's doing everything. It's com- so it's all pre-flux for rent. This is what we yeah. were talking about the other week, wasn't yeah. it? And it, so he's got some really old, old vines that nobody else super, is using. Super, so they're all pre-flux for grape varietals. Yeah. None of them have been put onto American um, rootstocks. Rootstock. Yeah. And I did taste the wines, by the way. They are beautiful wines. Um, I, I, he's it's, only making like 500 was, bottles of was, one of the wines accu- this is isn't the new he? one I think is the, it's only five, the there were are... accusations at one point of some bullshit some just going on which he did address again I can't confirm any or deny any of that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I have actually tasted the wines um, yeah. and a lovely tasting for them um, they are super expensive super special I, it's one of the things of if these already come from really special grape varieties and this maybe their value is based on that yeah um so, so it's hard for me. I haven't obviously tried this one. I haven't tried the $34,000 bottle of wine. That bottle, I re- because we were looking at it. No, because I remember looking this, into this. That's so funny. And I completely forgot. They're going to release it in September, and there is literally 550 bottles That's produced it, yeah. of that wine. Um, all the Everything in Amphora, he's, all, he's using Coulant and Castet, which ironically leads us to some of the varietals that are now being allowed well, into. Also, notice, I would say when I did try his Bordeaux. other wines, when I tried them, Interesting, you know, they're not using the classic, well, we call the classic varieties. Mm. They're actually using the preflux of varietals. They still taste like Bordeaux. Well, it's funny which because... Which is interesting. They don't, they, it's not, you don't necessarily need the great varietals. It's, it's the taste of the land. And the funny thing that you have, haven't mentioned, uh, so first of all, he's labelling his wines as a vin de France. Yeah, because no, basically he can't, yeah, can't, can't, can't fit it in because it's not with those great varieties. Um, and he's in Grave as well in that region. So it's, I'm trying to think where yeah. it was based, it's Grave. Yeah. Yeah. So while it's a while, I'm talking about three years ago, I went to the States. So he's so. releasing the 2000, for anyone who's, <laughs> for anyone listening, he has £30,000. £34,000. Well, so he's obviously upset. Yeah, yeah, so I've got Which down probably 30, will be about £30,000 now, right. actually, with the uh, thank you to the Conservatives. <laughs> okay, no politics here. So anybody who has £30,000, you can get the 2015 vintage and there's only 550 bottles so go ahead there's no 2016 and there's no 2017 so you know bargain right yeah bargain absolute bargain um, that is we, Liber Pate we'll Liber put some Pate. stuff we'll put some stuff out on Instagram so you can see or bottles Liber of Peter it. if you want to be uh, if you want to be a right chav if you're sorry if, you guys, if this <laughs> says Rioja it's a Liber Peter so um, Varieties, just, just talk. Yeah. We actually did this podcast. So. Well, we just thought it's quite interesting, isn't it? So, what with climate change, I think they are really worried, aren't they, about being that the, the grapes are going to, they're ripening too early. Well, we've talked, we've talked about the fact alcohol. that in Australia, they're changing the grape varieties they use from, say, Bordeaux varieties more to Rome varietals or Spanish varietals to deal with the heat. And now mm. it seems that Bordeaux are also going that way. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, they and they've actually released seven. Um, there is... Sorry, which means seven new grape varieties you're going to be allowed to use from... Which date? I can't remember what date it is from. But you basically can start planting now. Um, and these seven varieties will now legally be allowed to use in Bordeaux. Only up to 10% though. Yeah. Correct, yeah. 5%, they can plant 5% of these varieties and in their vineyards. And use 10% e- in the blend. In the yeah. blend. But this is... But what, what I want to know is... You know, the information is saying Bordeaux and Bordeaux Superiore. I don't think you've used it in Crew Class A yet. Exactly. But it's established the, stone. Yeah, so and so this is for the, the affordable Bordeaux, yes. effectively, aren't they? Wish to show you, um, yeah, but in those regions, because obviously in other regions it is a bit more. I don't think that, you know, Lafitte or anything are going to be really struggled by climate change yet because their land is the sort of land that deals with it best. Yeah. It's the people um, who are in Ultra de Mer or on the very far right side of Bordeaux, so really on the right bank. In the deep sort of more continental part further away from the sea who are going to feel it more and i think this is for them yeah so the bordeaux and the bordeaux superior appellations actually cover 55 percent of the whole of bordeaux vines apparently one thing we don't always talk about the fact is that bordeaux actually grows more wine in the whole of australia combined 
which is a huge number. Yep. Does it? Yes. More than the whole of Australia combined. Check that out, ladies Bordeaux and is, gentlemen. Bordeaux is a huge factory for wine, and so I've. And it's a second <laughs> factory. It Do you is? think no. the Bordelais will be happy you call well, it no, their, their land? Again, it's an argument of from that we get the best, but a lot of mm-hmm. Bordeaux is table wine or is no, it really wine is. To be drunk. And it, it really is. And it's just general wine to be drunk. We always talk about Bordeaux in the UK and think of it as this big, expensive, and um, you know, toffee thing. But actually, most Bordeaux is for um, general people to drink, and it's did, just it is a big factory for wine. Did you know the Dutch? Do you know the history of how the Dutch completely changed Bordeaux? Do you know this? Go, go on, go on, Am I going to tell you wait, something? Wait, we do the grape varieties first. We no, the, we no, we're not. Okay, we're I'm going to tell you the Dutch story because it's on my mind, and then we're going to go on to this to the grape varieties to finish off. The Dutch basically really wanted cheap Bordeaux wine. This is in like I don't know the 1600s. You're calling the Dutch cheap? You losing all the Dutch listeners? Oh, I've lost the Dutch listeners, and they've gone too. So they wanted cheap wine, and basically imagine um, things. They all the cheap wine was oxidizing because it needed because it, it was taking too long to travel. So they wanted to sort out Bordeaux so they could quickly get things out of Bordeaux and the whole most of the left bank was very marshy because marshlands it wasn't used and what are the Dutch really good at with all their canals they basically drained the they're good at clogs yes that too they are very good with water and so they basically drained created special uh, canals systems everything drained all the marshlands and now some of the best vineyards in, in, uh, in Bordeaux are planted on Land that used to be marshland. So the Chinese so have a lot th- to thank the Dutch for. Yes, we yes. all have a lot to thank the Dutch for. Well, Chinese okay. are mostly. Did Dutch. you like that story? I did like it. Good. It's a good, it's a good weird story of history. Just, just Dutch people skiing on water in clogs while draining land. <laughs> but it's, that's come to my head now. Um, I I can cannot uh, I can de- I cannot deny or confirm that. Um, okay, right. Getting back to the grape varieties. Um, Ha- Toriga Nacional that's a really this is one I'm most one. excited about because yeah. I love the grape variety and Toriga Nacional for anyone who doesn't know that is the main grape variety of, por- of Portugal in general and well, Port uh, it's the one everyone talks about but it's the Cabernet Sauvignon yeah, of it's, Portugal it gives and it gives Indoro it is the grape variety and it gives Port yes it is it's the main, it, is the main grape variety it's the main grape variety okay. we're going okay, to talk about okay, Toriga Nacional is what we're talking about I'd say to Cabernet Sauvignon mm-hmm. and to Riga Franc, ironically, to Cabernet, Cabernet Franc. Um, and to Riga Franca is the workhorse, while Triga Nacional is almost like the spice and the taste. And much like Cabernet Sauvignon, and I think a lot of people who taste wine can test this, even if only at 10 or 20, or like 10 to 20 percent of the wine is Cabernet Sauvignon, you taste it. Like it, it mm. really does, it's, it, it's like almost like the MSG of red wine. You know, you put a little bit in and it really inf- enhances it, and you can always come through. And the same with Triga Nacional. Um, but it's a grape that does really well with the heat. And that's, and that's the point. So and the climate is change... Even all the way down south at Alentejo yep. and does fantastically there. Um, Trico Franca would be probably made the next one they should... Well, they know, haven't... That's yeah. not... The, Portugal, sorry, no others. So, Toriga Nacional, great. Interesting, Castets. Now, Castets is the one that we just talked about, the, the uh, £30,000 wine, Le Bepate. He's using Castets, which was basically pretty much a forgotten variety. Well, they li- literally, in 2016, there was 2.9 hectares left in France. And now, thank you, Le Bepate, he's going to bring it back. But also, this is now allowed They're to be grown. So, it. it's going to... we just done this just to give him a middle finger so we can't keep talking about his wine being vindicated from because now every, <laughs> everyone's gonna everyone start can do it. Everyone like can do it. Like, sorry your 30,000 pound wine hey, is they not hate, that special they, don't, they hate him like I remember speaking to him they, the, the Bordeaux the whole of directors the wine they all hate him really bad it's really bad blood between well them, good, so. no good for him be different and if anyone's going to buy your wine for that price, well, so be it, right? Be different and charge more. Um, that oh, Castets is very good with um, downy mildew um, and rot and all this kind of stuff. So apparently that's going to be good. A really cool one, 
because you know how I like my Uruguay wines uh, and Tanat is the grape variety. You like Uruguay wines? You've never mentioned that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> and Uruguay, their grape variety is Tanat. Well, a cross between Tanat and Cabernet Sauvignon has resulted in a wine called Arinar... I'm going to try again. Arinarnoa. Arinanoa. 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 And something like that. this dead on if we're getting the right language. Or dead <laughs> off if it's the it wrong be, accent. Should it be in French? Should it be in Spanish? Anyway, if I speak in English, Arinanoa. Arinanoa. Anyway, um, this apparently the buds tend to burst late, so again, it's going to help with spring frosts. Hey, some of us all have problems. And the last one of the red, quite cool, I like, is a crossing between Cabernet Sauvignon and Grenache, Grenache Noir, called uh, Marcelin, which is actually yeah, no, used. That's, that's a bit more of a, a bit more known variety. That's not as crazy unique. But it's, um, it's interesting that they are all varieties where it seems to have a Cabernet Sauvignon crossed with. Grapes that deal better with heat, or yeah. they are. Trigger National is a Cabernet Sauvignon comparable grape, yeah. but deals better with heat. So it is, you know, the, obviously we don't know if climate change is real. We do know. Um, <laughs> you know, it is definitely real. Um, but it, it, it just shows that, you know, even Bordeaux, despite speaking to their guns on most things, have, have recognised it's going to have to change. So, well, um, interestingly enough, with the Marcelin, just going on to just a. a um, I digress slightly. Uh, Marcelin is being used in Lafitte Rothschild's wine that they are now producing in China. Um, so basically, they just, if anyone who's interested, it's going to be released in September this year. So September 2019. It's I, also the least racially charged Chinese wine I've seen released because it doesn't have the word dragon in it. So you go to all Great Wall. <laughs> Every other single one somehow mentions the most like stereotypical Chinese thing ever, which I always feel so so definitely a white person in marketing who's done that. Okay, well no, this is literally like a picture of a mountain on it, I believe. For anyone, it's going to be called Long Dai. There's about two thousand five hundred cases um, of the two thousand and seventeen vintage. I don't know if you know what Long Dai means in Chinese. Isn't it? Um, like a, I wonder if with phrase. my information if I have it written down. Um, I'm not sure uh, if I can find it quickly, but basically. It's going to be a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Marcelin, as we just said. And Marcelin is a Cabernet Sauvignon Grenache crossing and Cabernet Franc. Um, I've tried some Chinese wines that are very good, actually. They're catching up quick. Yeah, no, and to be honest, if Lafitte Rothschild is releasing a wine, you would assume it's well, not going to be complete shit. Well, most of their fake wines sold in China. So. <laughs> anyway, um, for anyone, just to finish off, uh, if just because somebody will write in and say... The, what about the white wines? Uh, there are three white wines being released. Alvarino, there's Portugal. I'm also, going to, again, very happy. Alvarino is a great... Again, if Alvarino has shown, even though it's mainly grown in Vino Verde, mm-hmm. actually, again, I tried Vino, uh, Alvarino all the way down to Alentejo. If you don't know, Alentejo is more continental and baking hot, one of my favourite regions. Um, and it actually can grow there fantastically and make really good piercing whites. And it can handle its rain, can't it? It so takes some rain. It can take some rain. loves a lot so of it rain. it literally is a great variety. Well, it's, it's also... It can Al- handle rock. Sorry, and also you know is Alvarino is actually Alvarino. So weirdly, they've used the Portuguese name. In a lot of the other filler that but we did. But they argue about the argue about, about yeah, they argue about the cloning mm-hmm. uh, element of it. So maybe the Portuguese clone is better with heat. So that might be why they're doing it. Um, but Alvarinho or Albarino, um should be interesting to see. And again, it's another great variety I love. So We've got good. Petit Mansang. Not massive surprise though. That's well, lovely acidity. Region, south, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's a boor- that's a boring one. But that's like that's, okay. like, that's just more. That's my, you know, John's not happy with that one. No, no, I'm not unhappy. <laughs> I feel like that's like the the Mexican grape of uh, Bordeaux. It's just kind of come in from the south and it's it's emigrated in. And then the last one is Liliorilla. Um, never heard of it before. It's a cross between Baroque and Chardonnay. Oh, um, from Baroque, really. 
No, no. Anyway, so again, I mean, I don't know anything about. So this, this is the one. bastard unknown child of Chardonnay. It's apparently so. like Alvarino. Um, oh, okay. Like the pronounced aromatic qualities um, of this variety, apparently, uh, it's possible to compensate so for the loss of aromas. Are these all basically to replace Sauvignon Blanc slowly over time. Maybe because it is. It's got. It's. It, but, but apparently, it has. Re- this one is a relatively low acidity, so it's more about the aromatic. So whereas so you're going to get Sauvignon Blanc and Simeon. You get the acidity with Alvarino and Petit Mansang, but the Lillorilla is probably more about the aromatics. But that's the whole point. Yeah. Bordeaux does blends for a reason. Yep. Climate in general wasn't very good. So they plant all the vineyards with a whole load of different things so they can play around. See what we actually and ripened and make absolutely. wine with them. And what do you think, and just to finish off with, for anyone who's interested in vintages, what do you think are the best vintages? Obviously, I've mentioned 2015 is a good one. Actually, I'd like to see this, who's, what your top vintages are, because as much as we can say, and or you can read a magazine and go, these are the vintages people most love, um, I've argued, or you know, decanter and will lovely tell you all the time what they think the best vintages are. Um, but at the same time, I think it's just about when you drink them and what they taste like. I think like, I've found a lot of O2s that are massively impressive lately, over the last few years. I think that's a really valid point, just to finish off with. I mean, obviously, I think undeniable vintages, 2000, 2005, 2009, 2010, 2015. You're hilarious. And apparently 2016 um, is looking 16's great. fabulous. So these ones, I think, and, th- and and this is all over Bordeaux. That's why I mentioned these ones as but great I'll vintages. I'll argue the toss over which is hence why I lost loads of money. People don't don't Listen, don't listen Who to John. To He's just amazing. Also, over eight, uh, oh eight is massively underrated. But Great what vintage. I was going to come to is that, that, that a lot of the time you think about it when you don't fuss over vintages as much because if you're holding back a wine for twenty years, okay, yeah, you want to make sure that the wine is the best possible but you can't vintage. Drink it now. Exactly. But most of us are drinking our wine young or even too young. So ironically, the less good vintages, as you mentioned, 2008. Sometimes or, no, 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 is, is a classic. I think mean, 08 is... If you're but it sh- wasn't a fantastic vintage. Go back and look. You find no problems with 08 at all. Yeah, good but production, it, good everything. And, and I think gonna, it's good drinking gonna, now. No, but age as well. Age is fantastic. Uh. 08 is what I would say is an example I'd give to everyone learning about Bordeaux. These are what the wines are supposed to taste like. Because mm. 09 was far too ripe and more modern and more almost more uh, New World in style. Yeah. 10 was astounding, much like 05 and 2000, where they're just vintages where everything that physically could go right went right. 08 is what Bordeaux should be in general. We'll see mm-hmm. less and less of these classic vintages. So it's almost the last time we get to try a classic vintage. 08 will keep ageing, it's got good acidity, good everything. There's nothing wrong with it. I think the only it's just that it came before yeah. two amazing vintages. And actually, that's the same, but that there's, there's something to be said for even 2001. As well, I mean, what, no, like, was, Pomerol well, was amazing. Right, right bank one is amazing. amazing. Left but, bank is, but wasn't um, that wasn't bad? But again, no chance of anyone really even talking about it ever uh, because two thousand was just phenomenal. But but oh one on the right bank actually sometimes is much higher. But if you are drinking wines younger and you're having your Bordeaux, Bordeaux superiores, I wouldn't overly fuss right. too much. Right now, I'd say right bank. Uh, o threes, if you see them on a menu, worth a shot. Oh, two thousand three was a massively hot right. year. So if you want power, it's um, not good. For the left, the left bank fell apart quite quick. The right bank is still going because the Merlot takes a bit better. Um, but o twos, left bank, they are. It was a very green year. But actually, weirdly, with the age, it's worked really well. Your taste isn't two thousand twos recently. A lot, yeah. And I've, they've actually come out like Louisville Barton, quite a few others. But I think, actually, I think, and they're cheap. The only thing in the last 10 years so that people need to be considering, if you're drinking the younger wines now, I think the only things you really have to be afraid of potentially is 2013. I know that was a washout. That was just like a terrible year for everyone pretty much. The only thing we say about a terrible year, sometimes you get really advantage in a terrible year is low prices and actually the wines age really weirdly well. <laughs> um, they do. And then also they only use the best grapes. 
because so, it was so bad they couldn't use the grapes for half the stuff. And then they declassify it down. There's another thing, isn't it? So this but is you, where you, we... You can sometimes end up with a wine that is cheap and superb with a lot of work in it. And so in Burgundy, when this happens, I've done like 13 is a really good example in Burgundy, 13s are coming around. It takes time. So sometimes oh, bear patience. We'll um, but 12s, 14s, drink young. Yeah. 14 was very good, but very forward. 12 wasn't very good, but very forward, so they're good to drink young, and 12's quite cheap. Uh, 11s are now opening up. They're super tight, and now they're beginning to come around. Right bank will come around before left bank, definitely. And what do you think about 2017 with all that crazy, crazy... I mean, I think the wines are, from what I've heard, I haven't tasted any, of course, but... They deal with it a lot better they, now. I think it's been very the, the, the frost, they lost, I think, apparently more... Well, like 40% of their vineyards and stuff well, so no, production's down you, you so this is when the, this is misinformation in wine and done intentionally for marketing oh no we lost 40% no you lost 40% of your, you lost 90% of your vineyards in Mouillon or in Distract you lost nothing in Pudiac or in Margot or you lost like 5% yeah but I'm talking and you about you use that to market to ramp up no price. but I think we're talking about this as a whole the whole of no, Bordeaux no 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 that's a problem in the whole of Bordeaux if you break it all down they lost 40% that's the top vineyards didn't nah, lose but nothing I'm, no 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 uh, but I'm talking about the more affordable wines I would love at the end of the day you know when you look at Petrousse when you look at Margot everything is planted in better sites better exposure oh, okay, slightly so, yeah. higher altitude um, whatever so that they are not as susceptible to frost and um, hail and all these things but the, what, what the general public are drinking, they are drinking generally Bordeaux. Superior. Superior. Yeah. Actually, and by the way, so just to finish off, Le Land de Pomerol is uh, a re, just on the edge of Pomerol. That's generally a good place I would, for I would, We resell some of them. It's a great shout. Um, I think they are, they are... Chateau Sirac. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good ones and there's a couple of other little regions all around that Pomerol area Castille, uh, Castillon, Côte de Castillon yeah. which is on the edge of Saint-Emilion are, are really trying. really good to try as well um, and then you get you get some bargains you've got a lot of vineyards a lot of wineries who have um, vines on both sides you get the quality of someone who's planting in Saint-Emilion Grand Cru a lot or, of them they in Saint-Emilion are planting then, in Côte de Castillon because it's they, just they, right or, next door or the family you've inherited or yeah. bought or married so that's it's, super normal you know, the wine family is said to be quite um, incestuous so um, there's just a lot of <laughs> like you're only married from just over the border so everyone you need to tell us I mean what are your favourite where do you get your best value from Bordeaux that would be interesting Saint Foy has just joined the Côte de Bordeaux as well may, I've, nev you, I've never tasted a Saint Foy I have hey, no idea how that is I'm telling you we're the sort of people we'll, we'll go and buy some if we can yeah buy some and, and let you know uh, See if you can uh, teach us. You probably can teach us a lot. We appreciate this. But, uh. <laughs> Please, listeners, help us learn. Educate us. What are, that is the conclusion of today's Bordeaux lesson Bordeaux, Bordeaux uh, lesson. class. Um, let us know what your favourite regions and best value locations are. Um, and you'll see us again on another episode of Unfiltered. Ciao. What do you say? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>